Hey everyone, I'm Chris Eliza, CNN politics reporter and editor-at-large, in for David Chalian. This is the CNN Political Briefing. Here's what you need to know in politics for Friday, July 22nd. A jury found former Trump advisor Steve Bannon guilty of his contempt of Congress charges. We'll break that down, the highlights from the hearing, and what's happening between the former president and vice president these days. Today, former Trump advisor Steve Bannon was found guilty in contempt of Congress. That's because he defied a subpoena from the January 6th committee to testify. Bannon faces a minimum sentence of 30 days in jail according to federal law. He'll be sentenced in October. In the courtroom, Bannon smiled as the verdict was read. He looked back and forth between the courtroom deputy and the foreperson. Bannon and his lawyer spoke outside the courtroom shortly after the verdict. We may have lost a battle here today, but we're not going to lose this war. I stand with Trump and the Constitution, and I will never back off that, ever. You will see this case reversed on appeal. This conviction gives the committee a huge boost. It sends a message to anyone who's on the fence about cooperating with their subpoenas that there can be consequences under the law. It's also a victory for the Justice Department, which is under intense scrutiny for its approach to matters related to the January 6th attack. This comes after a quick two-day trial where the government made it clear that Bannon knew he had a deadline that he needed to testify by. Bannon was not able to provide much of a defense as a judge ruled ahead of the trial that most of Bannon's arguments would not be allowed to be included. Bannon did agree to finally cooperate with the committee last week, but it seems like that didn't do much to sway the jury, who reached a unanimous decision in less than three hours. But Bannon still hasn't met with the committee, who held their final hearing last night, at least until the fall. The committee illustrated how Donald Trump chose to not act despite his closest advisors and family members urging him to do so. Republican committee member Adam Kinzinger called Trump's conduct a, quote, stain on our history. Whatever your politics, whatever you think about the outcome of the election, we as Americans must all agree on this. Donald Trump's conduct on January 6th was a supreme violation of his oath of office and a complete dereliction of his duty to our nation. Several witnesses with firsthand knowledge of what happened inside the White House on January 6th told the committee that Trump did not make a single phone call to stop the violence that day. Not to law enforcement, not to national security officials, not to military leaders, no one. Many in Trump's orbit told the committee he was watching the violence instead unfold on television. Here were some reactions from Trump White House and administration officials about Trump's inaction. First up, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Mark Milley. Yeah, he's a commander-in-chief. You got an assault going on on the capital of the United States of America. And there's nothing, no call, nothing, zero. And then Sarah Matthews testified publicly last night to the committee. She served as deputy press secretary in the Trump White House until resigning shortly after January 6th. Matthews talked about the conversations that were going on in the White House after Trump sent tweets while the violence was still going on. She said she deemed them insufficient, and a colleague told her Trump couldn't condemn the violence because that would hand a win to the media. I couldn't believe that we were arguing over this in the middle of the West Wing, talking about the politics of a tweet, being concerned with handing the media a win when we had just watched all of that violence unfold at the Capitol. And so I motioned up at the TV and I said, do you think it looks like we're effing winning? Because I don't think it does. However, we saw former Vice President Mike Pence spring into action that day. The committee focused on how Pence took presidential actions in contrast to Trump. They emphasized how Pence worked the phones that day, speaking to Milley, who said he had two to three calls with him, and then acting Defense Secretary Chris Miller. 
And remember, this was all as Pence was being targeted by the rioters, who were chanting for him to be hung. Yesterday's hearing also painted the fullest picture yet about the danger Pence was actually facing. We heard radio chatter from Pence's security detail, who was very concerned for his and their own safety. Members of the BPT tell at this time were starting to fear for their own lives. It was disturbing. I don't like talking about it, but um, uh, there were calls to um, say goodbye to family members, so on and so forth. That was an anonymous White House security official who told the panel they could hear this chatter at the White House. And in a very memorable moment, the committee also majorly embarrassed Missouri Senator Josh Hawley. You're probably familiar with that infamous picture of Hawley raising his fist to protesters at the Capitol on January 6th. Despite heavy criticism, Hawley has defended the gesture and even sold mugs with a picture of it on it. But last night, the committee showed that image back-to-back with never-before-seen video of Hawley running from the Capitol when rioters broke into the building. And then they really went in for the kill. The committee even showed the footage in slow motion. Kinzinger mocked Hawley in a tweet Friday morning, calling him fist-pump McRunpants. And the running video has become a viral meme already. The committee also took on House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy. They played the audio clips from after January 6th, when McCarthy said that he was considering advising Trump to resign. You may remember these from some of our podcasts a few months ago. We also learned what happened the day after January 6th in the Trump White House. Trump posted a video asking for a smooth transition of power for the new administration, but that's not all he wanted to say. We know this because in last night's hearing, the panel showed outtakes of the video that never aired. And to those who broke the law, you will pay. You do not represent our movement. You do not represent our country. And if you broke the law... Can't say that. I'm not gonna, you, I already said you will pay. He also wouldn't say the election was over, a lie that still fuels much of the Republican Party today. But this election is now over. Congress has certified the results. I don't want to say the election's over. Matthew Pottinger served on Trump's National Security Council and resigned on January 7th, 2021. He told the committee in public testimony the national security implications of January 6th. When you have a contested election, I was certainly concerned that some of our adversaries would be tempted to probe uh, or test U.S. resolve. I I think it emboldened our enemies by helping give them ammunition to feed a narrative that our system of government doesn't work, uh, that the United States uh, is in decline. So the first eight hearings have made it clear why Trump and Pence seem no longer to be on the same team. Politically, the two have gone against each other in several primaries ahead of a possible 2024 presidential contest. Pence has endorsed Republicans who reject Trump's false claims of fraud. And today, that trend continues in Arizona. Trump and Pence have dueling events in the state, turning the Arizona upcoming Republican primary for governor into yet another proxy fight between the two men. Trump is endorsing a candidate whose entire campaign centers around his election lies, while Pence is supporting someone who reflects his desire to steer the party away from the 2020 conspiracy. That's it for today's political briefing. Thanks so much for listening, and please take a moment and be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcasts. CNN Political Briefing is a product of CNN Audio. Megan Marcus is our executive producer. Greg Peppers is our supervising producer. Mohammed Darwish is our senior producer. Our episodes are produced by Krista Bowe and Taylor Galgano. We'll be back Monday. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com briefing. netsuite.com briefing.